We are in a, a study here that's to do with prophecy, but it's all over the place. It's not just revelations. And uh, we are sort of entitling it Syrian prophecy because of what's recently happened in Syria and the uh, missiles attack the U.S. did there and so forth. Uh, Damascus is uh, mentioned specifically in Isaiah uh, 17, 1 talks about the destruction of Damascus. Uh, probably if I have time, I'll try to show you where that is over in the book of Revelation here, where that probably will happen uh, because of the other scriptures that surround that 17th chapter of Isaiah as well. But uh, what I want to get into here today and talk to you about is some of the things that have to do with uh, where we are today in the sense of prophecy so we can get a sort of a fix on all of this. I'm going to put this chart on the overhead here. Uh, to give us, let me get it focused. Let me turn my chair around here. All right, that should focus us up a little bit. I'm going to zoom in if I can a little bit, get a little closer. And this is a timeline chart, as you can see. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it and uh, just give you a sort of heads up. My sister Toops put this together for me uh, several years ago, and I appreciate her very much. She did a lot of work for me on the computer, and so we appreciate it so much, so much here. I want you to notice here that uh, this is Calvary, the cross, and the Old Testament is the period of time that was from Adam to Calvary. It's a period of about 4,000 about 4, years. Uh, 2,000 years of that was up until Abraham. Uh, all were Gentiles up until Abraham's time from that time on, Abraham being the first Jew, we can call him that. Uh, then from there on, you had then the 2,000-year period up until Calvary here. Moses was about 1,500 years before Christ and so forth. Then when Jesus came, he was on this earth for 33 and a half years, and they crucified him. He rose then the third day and ascended the 40th day after that. And then the church age came into effect 10 days later. And this is the church age period of time here. The church age we know will be about 2,000 years. The Bible says that as it was, um, I'm sorry, um, quoting here from Hosea 6-2, that uh, Israel should be blinded for two days. The third day I'll raise her up. And so when God raises up Israel, the church will have been already raptured away. So we know that the church age period will last for about 2,000. A day with the Lord is 1,000 years, and 1,000 years is one day. Not a 24-hour day, but what is called a dispensational day. Uh, and, of course, that's, that's mentioned in Second Peter. It's also mentioned in Psalms. Uh, I don't go into detail on that. Just to also add to that, uh, when the Lord told Adam, even the day that you eat of this fruit, ye shall surely die. And the devil said, oh, you will not surely die. Well, they did not die in 24 hours, but they died within a thousand years. As you know, Adam lived to be 930 years old, so forth. And so he died. No, no one's ever lived beyond a thousand years. Uh, Methuselah lived to be 969 years, the longest man that ever lived on the face of the earth. Anyhow, it's within that day, the dispensational day. You, you understand what I'm saying here? So a day with the Lord, the thousand years, thousand years, one day. So after two days, will he revive Israel? Now, uh, the rapture is the next major event to take place because Jesus said that I go away, and if I go away, I shall 
come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. If it were not so, I would have told you so. So I go away to prepare a place for you, and I'll come again. Uh, later, when he ascended into heaven, literally ascended on the Mount of Olives, and uh, the disciples were all standing there, and they were all looking up, watching Jesus go up. He had risen from the dead, had been on the earth for 40 days, and they were walking now out of Jerusalem through Mount Kidron up on the, uh, up on the uh, Mount of Olives. And as they were walking along, Jesus began to ascend into heaven. And as they looked up, all of a sudden, there were two men standing beside them dressed in white apparel that we interpret to be angels. It doesn't say that, but I'm sure they were. And they said to those, those men, you get men of Galilee, why do you stand you gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus that you see go away shall so come again in like manner. Praise the Lord. And so we know that the Lord is coming back. And then all through the epistles, there's numerous scriptures that talks about the Lord's return that we'll not get into any detail on that. Only to know that the rapture is the next major event to take place. The apostles did not know. Uh, Jesus said, no man knoweth the day or the hour of the coming of the Son of Man. No, not even the angels of heaven. Only my Father only. That is the Spirit. So only God Almighty has determined, and he, he alone knows it. The Bible does say the gospel shall be preached in all the world, and then shall the end come. The gospel shall be preached in all the world. So I think sending missionaries and getting the gospel in all the world will, you know, will certainly make the, the cause of Christ coming back maybe even sooner. I don't know whether there is a day, a day set or whether the Lord is just waiting for all these things to materialize as he has already ordained them to be. I don't know. It doesn't matter. He's in charge. Whatever his time is, is good enough for me. But I know Jesus will come whenever it's time for him to come back. He said that he'll have a people out of every kindred tongue, people, tribe, and nation. So the Lord's going to have a church taken from all people, all walks of life, all over the whole world. And so... It behooves us, if you want to see Jesus come soon, amen, be a missionary supporter and let them go out and preach that gospel, amen, in all these different countries around the world. Everybody say praise the Lord. Now, the coming of the Lord is the next major event to happen. After that, there's going to be a tribulation period, and we talked about that with you last week a little bit. After the rapture takes place, there's going to be a time in which God is going to send judgment upon the world. That's what Revelations chapters 4 and 5, or particularly 5 is all about, chapter 5, is where that Jesus takes the book out of the right hand of him who sits on the throne. And people say, well, you see, there's two people right there. There's, there's, the, there's the, the lamb that takes the book out of the right hand of him who sits on the throne, and then there's the father who hands him the book and so forth. Well, that is symbolic terms showing the transference of the power to judge humanity that God puts into the hands of Jesus Christ because Jesus is the one who was on this earth who walked not a separate person but God manifest as a man upon this earth and that he suffered, he bled, and he died for humanity. That's why in that fifth chapter they said that, they said, how can anybody judge the world? Nobody is worthy. And, uh, and so uh, they said, well, here's the uh, the, the root of uh, David, the offspring of David, rather, and the uh, Lamb of God. And so the, Lord, the, the fact that he uses him as the Lamb of God slain 
implies that he is worthy, therefore, then to execute judgment. And judgment begins in chapter 6 where a book is handed to him and it has seven seals. And each one of those seals that's broken begins to unleash the judgments of God in the tribulation period that is going to come on the earth. Not yet. It hasn't happened. But Jesus did say in his teachings, when you see all of these things begin to happen, then look up for your redemption draweth nigh. There are things shaping up that we know is going to take place. Praise the Lord. The world is getting into a very serious and precarious situation. And uh, I know we've enjoyed peace for so long now here in America, we've, since World War II, or then the Korean War, and then we had the government. But we have not been involved in those things. I mean, not we as people. Uh, our, our military has, but we as a nation, it hasn't touched our shores, if you know what I mean. And uh, so we've been able to uh, sort of rock along here for a while. But America must not forget where all of her blessings and her goodness comes from. And that's what is happening in America. This is why I worry about our country. I worry about America because America is forgetting it. Uh, I, uh, I see things sometimes where people are almost like in your face with God, you know. Uh, and I look at those things and sometimes I just say silent prayers for people who don't realize that they are pushing it to the edge. America that has been so blessed of God and has been had his hand, the Lord's had his hand on us and has been good to us. Let me say this, folks. We think we're so smart, but we're not all that smart. We think we are hard workers. We're not all that hard workers. There's people that work from the getting up in the morning till late at night, work to their fingers to the bone, and they barely have enough to eat. I'm, I'm serious. There's millions of people like this in the world. And we here in America, you know, we got five-day work week. I know we can work six or seven days, however many days you want to, but we got five-day work weeks. You know, we got eight-hour work day. Uh, you know, we, we got our homes come through. I mean, I know that that doesn't just solve it all, but I'm just pointing out compared to the rest of the world, we are blessed beyond measure. We owe praise to God. Don't ever come to the house of God and don't praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Worship God and be thankful. Thank God for all the things he's done. So many things we can be thankful. But if you don't know of anything else to pray about, just say, Lord, I'm thankful. If you, if you don't have any other reason, just say, God, I thank you that I exist. Thank you that you have allowed me to exist and that I have been able, praise the Lord, to hear the gospel and I can be saved and exist for eternity when this life on this earth is all over with. Praise the Lord. So we have so much to praise God and glorify God for it and magnify his name. And uh, the Lord has done everything. He's opened all the doors. He's made a way. He's, uh, he's shown his grace to us. Uh, I was just praying this morning and I said, God, thank you for sending the gospel to my people. You know, my, my grandparents and my mother and dad and you know, and uncles and aunts and all those things, you know, some preacher came our way and I lived in, you know, we were, I was grew up, born and grew up there until I was 10 years old in Pensacola, Florida. And some preacher came from Louisiana, D.L. Welch, came from Louisiana, came over there and started preaching the gospel, having tent meeting, got a little foghorn, went out and began to say we were having a tent meeting and everybody together there. 
you know, back in depression days and they started going to the altar and getting saved. And I said, God, thank you for the gospel coming our way. And in your town, wherever you're from, much of that happened, praise the Lord. And some of you were saved right here, right here in this area. Thank God for this church, amen. And the preaching of the gospel that we have been able, praise the Lord, to find God and come to the Lord. So just thank God that he ever came your way, that the gospel came your way, and that you responded to it. That's faith. The grace of God is the gospel coming to us. Faith, we're saved by grace, and that through faith, faith is our response to it. Praise the Lord. A lot of people can hear the gospel, and they can reject it, and then therefore their faith is lost, just like Israel heard the gospel through Jesus Christ, but they rejected it as a nation I'm speaking of. And so they received not that faith or they did not exercise the faith. Let me move on here because it is in this time of judgment here then that Jesus Christ begins to break the seals and the judgment begin to come. And I'm not going to go into detail because I'll talk to you about that further. But all through the book of Revelation, starting in chapter five, five, six, seven, eight, right on down the line, it talks about all of these judgments that come upon the earth and they are very heavy. They are very severe. There's going to be this kind of judgment. There's going to be the judgment of mankind against mankind. Wars, 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 rumors of wars. There's going to be wars that's going to be fought. Uh, there is going to be the shaking of the earth, earthquakes, tidal waves. Uh, there's going to be uh, islands that will disappear, mountains that will come up out of the islands. There's going to be all kinds of things that will happen. The Bible talks about seas roaring in the Bible. That's, that's, uh, that's tsunamis, seas roaring. Uh, there's going to be things in the heavens that will happen. There's going to be a barrage of shooting stars that will hit the earth. I mean, meteorites that will literally hit the earth. And uh, there's going to be a lot of these things that's just going to be happening. The, the moon is going to be affected. The sun is going to be affected. And uh, I'm just trying to tell you here that we haven't read this. Not only do you read it in Revelation, you can read it in Isaiah. You can read it in Isaiah more than one place. In Isaiah, where Isaiah prophesies all these things will come to pass as well. Isaiah chapter 13, Isaiah chapter uh, 66, I believe it is. Anyhow, uh, 65 or 6. So all of these things let us know that these things are uh, predicted in the Bible and they're spoken of and the Lord's word will come to pass. Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So the Lord's word is going to be established. By his word, all things exist. He spoke all things into existence. And if anybody ever tells you that, oh, there is no God at all, just blew up and formed. Whatever blew up, where did it come from? You know, that's what I always ask. Oh, that was a big explosion. What explosion? What exploded? What was it that exploded? And all of it and everything is just pieces out here. And that's what the universe is all about. All right, that big something that exploded or whatever. Where did that come from? I mean, somewhere back there, existence had to come from someplace where there was no existence. And that, of course, is from God. And I'm not saying that that's how it happened. I think God just spoke it and flung it into the heavens. And however God does it, it's all right with me. I accept everything he's done real well and right. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. And you know what, folks? We try to figure everything out with this little brain inside of us about the size of a grapefruit. You know, or if it's even that big or whatever, maybe it's a big size of an orange, if it's smaller, whatever, big orange. But let me just say this, 
And God is so great, and we're trying to figure him out in a little something that's so small, and we think we've got the whole universe all figured out. Shame on us, you know, as humanity that tries to say, oh, you know, who is God, where is God, and all of that kind of stuff, you know. So sometimes, no one in the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Praise God. Everybody still with me? I just sometimes just get talking here, so I'm going to move on here. So uh, this is a chart, a timeline chart. And we are in this area now, the tribulation period here, this is a 2000 year period. The tribulation period here is only gonna last about 10, 14 years, I don't know. I know it's gonna last seven years. From chapter 11 on to, uh, to Armageddon is going to be seven years, I know that. Now the uh, first part of that, I don't know. This is Armageddon here. And uh, this period of time that is from Calvary and going back from Calvary to 600 years before Calvary is a period called the time of the Gentiles. I've got it drawn out here in a red line. And I want you to look with me in uh, the scriptures and uh, look in uh, uh, Luke 21, 24, I believe it is. 21, 24, if you'll look there for just a moment. Let me show you something here. Luke 21, 24, and this is Jesus speaking here of uh, the fall of Jerusalem. He says here, they shall fall by the edge of the sword, speaking of Jerusalem falling in 70 AD, Jesus prophesying that, and it did happen. Jesus didn't say when it would happen, he just said that it's coming soon. He wept over Jerusalem and said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would that I could gather thee unto me under me like a mother hen does her chicks under her wings, but ye would not. And uh, so here he's pronouncing the judgment of it. Uh, the previous verse talks about great distress on the land and wrath upon this people, speaking of Israel. Verse 24, and he says, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive, speaking of the Jews, into all nations. This is exactly what happened in 70 AD. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until, and look at this closely, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Times of the Gentiles. What is that? I'm going to read one other scripture here to you. This is in Romans chapter 11 and verse 25. This is Paul's writings. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel. That is, that's where they are at this point. That's what he was seeing then. Until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in or completed. Come in meaning they should be fulfilled or completed. So there's a period called the time of the Gentiles. Jesus spoke of it. Paul spoke of it. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the time of the Gentiles. And here's what it amounts to. About, about where you see this uh, somewhere between the Y and the E here. 606 is the exact date. The Lord caused Israel to go into captivity by the Babylonian Empire. And from that time on, Israel has always been subject to a Gentile power and has been and will be right on down until Armageddon here. And these are Gentile empires that rise and fall and rise and fall. And when one falls, another one rises behind it. And when it does, they take over where the, the other one left off and having oversight and overrule and control of Israel and Jerusalem. 
And the Lord said it would be the time of the Gentiles. And so it started here. And that also is when Daniel was taken captive out of Jerusalem. He and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and were taken over to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, who was the great king there. And there he interpreted a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Now, last week I showed you some of that. I'm going to go a little further into it because I want to move a little bit further into this book of Daniel here today. Everybody still with me? When Daniel was taken captive in 606 B.C., about along about here, this is that beginning of this red line here, along about right in here, when he was taken captive, uh, they, they were going to use him and these other young men to be like wise men to assist uh, the dictator uh, who was uh, Nebuchadnezzar at the time. And so Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. You know the story. He had a dream. He couldn't, didn't, it bothered him what it was all about. He called his wise men. They said, we don't know what the dream, the interpretation is. Do we hear the dream? He said, you tell me what the dream is and I'll know you have the interpretation. And then when they didn't, then he said, all right, I'm going to kill every one of you. So Daniel and the three Hebrew children, they begin to I call them children. That's what the Bible calls them. They, they begin to pray and God gave Daniel the whole picture. So Daniel says, take me to the king. I got the whole thing for him. And whenever he did, he went before the king. And I'm going to have you go with me very quickly here to, uh, if you would, to Daniel chapter two with me for a moment. And uh, just touch base with you on a few things that I want to bring out. Daniel chapter two and... Uh, Verse 31, everybody with me there, 231. Thou, O king, sawest, behold, a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, and his feet of part iron and part clay. And then there it goes on to say, verse 34, thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were in the iron to clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, all of it together now, all of it together at one time at the very end. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold broken in pieces together and became like the shaft of the summer threshing floor. The wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image upon Uh, became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, this is the image here. I'm just going to put this up here and I'll leave the other one there for you to look at. This is the image that he saw. I'm going to back off a little bit where we can maybe see more of it here. Uh, This is the image I'm just using. This is an artist's drawings here, of course. And uh, if you look here, uh, Daniel goes on to interpret that for him. The end of verse 38 says, thou art the head of gold. So he told Nebuchadnezzar, you are Babylon. You're the head of gold here. And then he goes on to say, and after thee shall arise another kingdom and fear to thee with another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all of them. A fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron <clears throat> for as best it breaketh in pieces and subdue all things. And as iron breaketh all these things, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And then he goes on saying, whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, kingdom shall be divided, but that should be under the strength of the iron for as much as I saw as the iron mixed with miry clay. And I'm reading it very fast because I'm trying to show you here that just what Daniel was saying to him. So he said, you're there to go. We know by history that the media Persian empire overthrew the Babylonians. 
And actually, Daniel became part of the media Persian Empire and kept his status as a wise man and a man that the kings, the kings of media Persian sought his advice on a lot of things. And then finally, the Grecian Empire. We'll talk more about that later. This is where we're eventually going to go, and this is where Syria comes into it. The Grecian Empire. Finally, the Roman Empire, which are the legs. And then, of course, the feet here, which is iron mixed with clay. This is the end, the very end of this entire dispensation of time. Now, the time of the Gentiles, that's what he saw. In other words, this red line here takes us all the way through the tribulation so that we are in the toes now. We're in the toes of it now. And this is where we are. Somebody said to me, Brother Myers, America is such a great nation. Where is it in prophecy? I said, well, it's not there. He said, well, it's got to be there somewhere. I said, all right, look at the image. And I said, the big toe must be America. <laughs> so I don't know. So I said, okay, but we're in the toes for sure. You know, we're at the end of this. You understand what I'm saying? Because the rapture could happen just any time. And rapture could, of course, I know this takes us on out through the, to the very end here. But this period of time from the rapture to Armageddon is only about 10 years. So it's just, it's, it's, very, it's big on the chart because we emphasize it, but it actually is a very short period of time and a lot of things happen and most of the book of Revelation is all fitted in that period of time. And of course, uh, following Armageddon, there's going to be a thousand years of peace and then there's going to be Gog and Magog. We'll not be dealing with this part right now, but there is going to be a thousand years of peace that's going to come on the earth in which, uh, in which there will be peace on the earth that the Lord has set up. Uh, this follows along the pattern of the seven days. Seven days of creation, seventh day God rested. Earth was made in six days, the seventh day he rested. Old Testament, 4,000. New Testament, 2,000 years. Actually, it would, be, it would cover all of this because this is only 10 years. From here to here, and there's just six years. So 4,000, two years is six, and then this is a day of rest, seventh year. Everybody still with me on that? Okay, you understand that the Bible is, it is in harmony. It's so, so miraculously, it's unreal. Now, Having sort of showed you there what chapter two is all about, I want to go to chapter seven now in Daniel, chapter seven. And I'm going to show you something else that happened. This happened with Daniel some 50 years later. And uh, he had that interpretation. He gave it to the, uh, he gave it to the king. So this is what it's all about. The king said, Daniel, man, you're great. He made Daniel famous, raised him up, made him a great leader in Babylon. And then Daniel said, oh, by the way, I got three friends. Would you include them also? And he said, yes, I will. So Daniel and his three friends enjoyed a status in, uh, in Babylon uh, as leaders and as wise men and so forth from that day on, right on until Nebuchadnezzar died and his son was on the throne for a short time. And then his grandson called Belshazzar came on the throne and so forth. Now, look at chapter 7. This is years later. And uh, this, is, uh, this is when Daniel is an older, much older man here. So, if you look at chapter 7, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matter. Uh, Remember, the first one was the dream that the king had, and Daniel interpreted that. Then there's no, no more recordings of any kind of dreams 
For 50 years, Daniel finally had, then he has this vision here when he's uh, up here about 60 years old, 62 years old. 17 years old, not again until he's 62 years old. Some people have dreams all the time. They always, you ever run into people who's got dreams? They got dreams, they dream things. Somebody asked me, he said, Brother Mario, did I dream this dream? What does it mean? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> <coughs> Somebody really pushed me one time. Brother Myers, I had this dream. You know, what do you think it means? I said, I think it means you've been eating too many hot dogs before you went to bed. You've got to cut down on some of that overload food. I mean, you just can't dream a dream and say, this has got to be of God. You know, I mean, once in a while, the Lord may give us something like that. But I'm talking about people's got a dream that's going to tell you what, what's going to happen, you know, in the future and all that. Well, Daniel didn't have, a, didn't have a vision or anything for 50 years. You understand what I'm saying? Even though he is, he is considered uh, one of the great prophets in the Bible of end-time prophecy. <clears throat> so let me move on here because look at this seventh chapter here. And here's what he dreamed, what he had a vision of now. Not a dream, but a vision. And uh, the Bible says that the, uh, in verse 3, the four beasts came up out of the sea. Mediterranean Sea is what it's referring to. Divers one from another. Verse 4, the first were like a lion. And the second was like a bear. Verse 5, verse 6. And after this, they beheld another bear like a leopard. And then in verse 7, and after this, I did night vision, behold, a fourth beast. And it doesn't describe what this beast is like. It just that it's dreadful, terrible, strong, exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth, and it devoured and break in pieces and stamped with the residue of the feet thereof, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. Everybody see that? Now, I'm going to show you another uh, picture here. <clears throat> These comes from a... Uh, these, these are all black and white because they come from a, a prophecy teacher that lived back in the 20s. God seemed to have opened his mind understanding to a lot of these things. And uh, <clears throat> I have a lot of his material. Uh, his great-grandson has all the copyrights on this. And, uh, I, and he, he, has a, he has a winter home here in Bayside Lakes. And uh, one of the, somebody visited our church one time and got in touch with him and he says, the, the Bishop Myers there teaches a lot from your great-grandfather's material. He shows his charts and all. And so he said, I'd like to have lunch with him. So I did. And boy, I mean, and he loaded me up with charts and books that his great-grandfather had and just said, I want you to take these and use them as you will. Just don't print them up and sell them. I said, no, I won't ever do that. So anyhow, I take my liberty to use it. You understand what I'm saying here? Because there's a copyright on these things. Now, what I showed you that was in color that's mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? That belongs to me. And some of them are mine and some of them are somebody else's. And I'll, you know, those I, I, I've tried to be very different with. I don't try to color these or change them or nothing. Anyhow, this is what he saw in chapter 7. He saw a lion and this, the man's face and wings went on to describe the lion to be like that. And that's why it looks that way. A bear with three bones in his mouth and so forth. They all have significant reasons. And then there's a leopard that had four wings on his back. The four wings is very significant. And we'll talk to you a little later on about that. And this was the Grecian Empire. So the Babylonians was the first. The media Persian Empire conquered the Babylonian Empire. And uh, the date was in 536. And then the Grecian Empire in 330 conquered the media Persian Empire under Alexander the Great. I'll talk about him in just a moment. 
and then Alexander the Great is mentioned here, the four, and then the Grecian Empire divided into four parts, four parts uh, here uh, after Alexander the Great dies in 323 uh, AD, his date's right here. And then following that is the Roman Empire that comes about probably uh, around uh, gradually, just little by little by little, the, grand, the Roman Empire comes about and becomes the great beast that is a terrible beast as mentioned here in the seventh chapter. And it says that uh, the, the fourth beast was dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly and it had great iron teeth. And it goes on to say that it had 10 horns. This coincides with the legs on the other image where it had 10 toes. Everybody is still with me on that? And uh, so the 10 factor is still there. The iron teeth coincides with the iron legs and the severity of it and so forth. The amazing thing about it is that uh, these beasts here are brought out again over in Revelations chapter 13. If you'll go to Revelations 13 for a moment here with me. Go to Revelations 13. I haven't left you. I hope I haven't left you in the dust yet. I, I know I'm covering a lot of territory here. And I, but look in 13.1. This is Daniel now talking about the end time. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea and having seven heads and ten horns and upon his horns was ten crowns. Notice here the ten horns factor again. And upon his head the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard. A leopard, that's what, this, this is one of the beasts that was before it was a leopard. And this beast like a leopard and he had feet like a bear. The bear is one of these animals that is here. And then it goes on to say and his mouth was as the mouth of a lion which is like this. So this beast is a character, characteristic of all of these others that were before him. Before him. <clears throat> and it goes on to say here, uh, and he had seat and great authority. And so verse 5 said, and there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue 42 months. Uh, and that is three and a half years. And then it goes on to say here in verse 6, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his, and, and his tabernacle in them that dwell upon in the heavens. And then down in verse 18 of chapter 13, verse 18, the last verse in chapter 13 of Revelation. And here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man and his number is 603 score and six, which is the mark of the beast, which is the uh, Antichrist number. And I'll talk to you a little bit later on about the Antichrist. So we know then that the Antichrist will come out of this last beast and this beast becomes that in the very end. Uh, so whenever Daniel saw this, and that's why when Jesus spoke in one place, he says, whoever reads this, understand, understand about Daniel. So in Daniel chapter seven, he describes then this, uh, this beast and then also being the Antichrist. Now I'm going to go a little further here. Uh, you're in chapter 7 and verse 7 where it says that the beast had 10. I'm going back to Daniel 7 now. Let me move these things here. Look at verse 8. The end of chapter, the end of verse 7, 7, 7. The end of 7-7 seven, seven says, and it had 10 horns. This is in Daniel now. In verse 8, it says, I consider the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn. 
See, at the very end of this time of the Gentiles, the Antichrist is going to rise. And he'll arise in the tribulation period. And he'll arise in the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation. That's where he comes to power. That's why he saw him come up out of the sea. And so here it says that, uh, behold, there came up among them, that's these 10 horns, a little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. So we know then that this little horn that comes up then is the Antichrist. And, uh, and then he goes on to, Daniel goes on to say here that he would know then and try to find that the interpretation uh, that would happen. And, uh, and he finally says over here in verse 17, these great beasts which, thou are, which are four or four kings which shall rise uh, out of the earth but the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom in the end. In other words, it goes to Armageddon. So the Antichrist is literally going to rise to power in a, in a period of time of three and a half years. And then in three and a half years, he's going to rule the world. And the world, folks, is going to be an Antichrist world. It's going to be, it's going to be a horrible place to live. I want to say this to all of us here today. Don't miss the rapture. I'm serious. Don't play around with God. You can't fool God. You, nobody fools God. Don't play around with the Lord. Be serious with the Lord. If God deals with you or me about anything, get it right with the Lord. Or keep it straight with the Lord. Because you don't want to be here after the rapture takes place and you go into that tribulation period. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And then when you get over <clears throat> into chapter 11... That third, that's the last seven years kicks in three and a half years. It's got two parts, three and a half years and three and a half years. The first three and a half years, the Antichrist rises to power and the Lord reestablishes Israel as his people on the earth. And so when you read about the saints of God and the Antichrist, that's not you and me. That's the, that's Israel as a nation, as a people who have turned back to God. <clears throat> and that's going to be happening as well. So these things are going to all come to pass and they are going to uh, begin to happen. I'm going to read uh, also this, if you'll notice here, this 18th verse here of, of, uh, of chapter 7, 7, 18. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and even forever and forever. I'm jumping over here to uh, verse 27. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heavens shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dimensions shall serve and obey him. This is the stone that smote the image on the feet and uh, the image of the toes and all that part of clay and all that at the end time. And this is what you see in chapter seven of Daniel, but then when in chapter uh, seven, in chapter uh, two of Daniel and then chapter seven, you see him as these beasts and then, of course, the Antichrist rising to power at the very end. But at the end, God's people will always prevail because of Armageddon. And I go back to this picture here. I go back to this one. This is a chart. And that is that Armageddon here is when the Lord comes back. He comes back here for his church. For his church. And then he comes back here with his church. The Bible says he comes with ten thousands of his saints. Jude verse 14. Jude has one chapter. 14. It also describes it in other places in the Bible where he comes with 10,000 of his saints. 
chapter 19, it mentions Armageddon is going to be when the Lord comes back and smites the Antichrist. Now, the Antichrist is mentioned extensively in the book of Daniel. And this is what I'm going to talk to you about next week. I, I really want you to be with me next week on this class. Because I'm going to show you in the book, in the Bible here, where the Antichrist will come from. And I'm going to talk to you about how that the whole world is going to accept this guy. And how that uh, he's going to be involved with the Muslim world, the Jewish world, and the Christian world. They're all going to accept the Antichrist. And he's going to be the savior, shall I call it, of all of these religions in their own way. And, uh, and he's going to rule the world for three and a half years. But at the end of it all, God is going to come back with his church and with his people. And he'll smite the earth and destroy the Antichrist and all the armies of the world. Eventually, the Antichrist and all the armies of the world, this is brought out in Ezekiel 38 and 39. It's brought out also in Zechariah chapter 14. They'll come against Jerusalem and against Israel to destroy Israel once and for all. Uh, the Antichrist will be like a worldwide Hitler, Nazism. Uh, it'll be an anti-Jewish thing, I mean worldwide. It'll develop that way. And uh, so the Jews have been through a lot, but they still have uh, some things to go through. Most Jewish people don't like to hear that. And I've even mentioned it to uh, some Jewish friends, and they don't they want to hear it. They say, we've already been through too much already. You know, we've been through a whole lot already. We don't want to think we've got to go through some more. But only until they accept Christ. But see, they have not accepted Christ as their Messiah yet. But as a nation, they will. I can show you in Zechariah chapters 12, 13, and chapter 14, where God will give the Jewish people the spirit of grace, and then they will begin to believe in Jesus Christ. That's another study. But I'm just telling you here, and I'm giving you a lot of things here this morning, and I know that. But very quickly, and I only got, I've only got just about four minutes, I want you to go with me over here to uh, the 16th chapter of the book of Revelation. And this is, the, uh, this is the only place that in the book of Revelation that Armageddon is even mentioned. Let me show you this. 1612. I'm going to start with that. 1616 is where Armageddon is mentioned. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. Euphrates is in the very center of the country of Iraq. I'm going to talk to you about these countries too. Iran, Iraq, Syria, Egypt, Turkey. I'm going to talk to you about all of that next week, and I'm going to show you where, how Bible prophecy is going to be fulfilled and how all those nations are going to be involved. He says here, the sixth angel poured out his vial upon uh, <clears throat> the river Euphrates, and the waters there was dried up that the way of the kings of the east may be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, now the mouth of the false prophet. The dragon is the devil. The false prophet is sort of the, uh, the uh, witch doctor, I should say, of the, of, the, uh, of, the, of the Antichrist. The Antichrist is the false prophet, is the, uh, uh, is the beast itself, yeah. Let me go to 14 here. This is where I'm going. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth into the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle in that great day of God Almighty. It's called Armageddon. Now verse 16. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And then down to verse 18, I'm reading here just to save time. 
and there were voices and thunders and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such as was not since man was upon the face of the earth so mighty an earthquake and so great verse 20 it says and every island fled away and the mountains were not found and there fell upon man a great hail out of heaven every stone about the weight of a talent and men blasphemed God because of the blackness of the hail and so forth so I'm giving you a picture here of all these things that will happen. Now, Armageddon actually takes place over here in the 19th chapter. I'm going to read this very quickly here, 19th chapter, because in 17 and 18, the Lord stops and deals with another issue that I'll talk to you about later as well too. Look at verse uh, 11 here in 19. I'm jumping over here now and talking to you about Armageddon here. This is where Armageddon actually happens in prophecy. And I saw the heavens open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head was upon his head many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, John, I'm quoting John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then verse 16 of, of chapter 1, the word was made flesh and dwelt among men. So uh, the word of God was made flesh and dwelt among men. So Jesus is the word. This is the word of God. Verse 14, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. I'm backing up here to verse uh, 8 of that same chapter, 19.8. And to her was granted, this is talking about his wife, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And to her, this is the bride of Christ, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, and clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. That's what you and I are going to have when we go to heaven, praise the Lord. The Bible said we'll walk with him in white. Hallelujah. I don't know, I don't know what it is, it just sounds good to me, praise the Lord. Whatever it is, God's going to have it all ready for us. Everybody say praise the Lord. Aren't you glad for the hope we have in God? I'm going to finish reading this verse of scripture then uh, here in the scriptures. And uh, it says here in verse 14, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, followed, uh, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Verse 15, And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and that he shall rule them with a the rod of iron, and he treaded the winepress and the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he had in his vesture and his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And this is a description here in Revelations of Armageddon taking place. Praise the Lord. Now, what I'm going to do next week, and I want you to be with me. Everybody here, be with me next week. I'm going to go to the eighth chapter of the book of Daniel. And I'm going to start dealing here with some very amazing things. The Bible tells us where we can pinpoint where the Antichrist will come from. Everybody with me on that? And so be with me on that, folks, I'm telling you. And we're nearing the time. We're nearing the time. We're near the coming of the Lord and all these things coming on the earth. And you want to be ready when Jesus comes. Let's stand together and worship God and praise him. And just, let's just lift our hands to heaven and thank him right now. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for your word.